0: Tune in to my next interview with Dion from Barbados, who as a university student studied in China, Then made a career in corporate event organizing, and a little more than 20 years later, now has relocated from China to America to begin a new expat experience. Welcome to the Are We Home Yet podcast, where we talk to expats about what it's like living abroad, and they tell their stories, whether it's the struggles, the joys, falling in love, raising a family, managing a business in another country, and maybe still searching for that place they will one day call home. This is a place where you can listen, the guest and host will share, and maybe we'll all learn from these stories that we're all connected in what home means to each of us. I'm your host, Jalila Clark. Welcome to the show. All right. Welcome back, listeners, to the Are We Home Yet podcast. So today I have with me Dion. Hi, how are you? Hi. Hey, Jalila, thank you so much.
1: <laughs> <I'm> great.
0: <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Okay, so I'm at Dion in Beijing, China, but she has moved from there. So where do you currently live and how long have you been living there? Currently
1: I'm in San Francisco and I've been here since September. I was supposed to be here originally since uh January 2021, but I only arrived in September 2021.
0: <laughs> Okay, okay, cool. And so uh, where where are you originally from? Are you from America? Or are you from somewhere else?
1: I'm from Barbados. So it's really um, exciting and it's really interesting to travel so far and to be here as well.
0: Okay, cool. And so uh, how long did you live in China? And you know, what what made you choose China of all the places where you could have gone?
1: Okay. So I moved to China in 1997 and I left in 2020. So that was 23 years. I moved to China because um, I was really interested in doing an undergrad and I wanted to find a scholarship and I actually managed to get a Chinese government scholarship. So that's the reason why I moved to China. I was not one of these people who were keen on Chinese culture, or wanted to discover Chinese culture, I just wanted to be able to study. And the possibility arose that I could get a scholarship. And I didn't realize at the time how difficult it would be to learn Chinese or to move halfway around the world. But I think um, that's what made it easier just to say yes and to the scholarship and go.
0: Okay. And so the little that I've actually struggled to learn in Mandarin, you know, I, I can I cannot even imagine what that must have been like studying in a completely different language maybe not your whole undergrad but I'm sure like some parts of it so I mean tell us like what what was that like I mean honestly like how did you learn like all the characters when like you know clearly you come from a western society where they're not using characters like that like you know what'd you do and how how long did it take and then you know when you graduated then then what was the step after that what what career did you go into
1: I arrived in Beijing not speaking any Chinese as you rightly said mm-hmm. and we were given 2 years to learn Chinese in order to do an undergraduate taught fully in Mandarin there was not there were no classes that were taught in English there was probably one class oh my and that was like just a an elective but yeah. all of our primary classes were taught in Mandarin so we had 2 years to learn Mandarin, and you had to pass um, the HSK and the university entrance exam to be able to get into the undergrad. It was very difficult. I failed, I think, my HSK maybe three times, and then I decided oh. just to do to cram classes uh-huh. um, with my Korean friends, and that really paid off because um, I managed to pass the HSK and my university exams. But yeah, it was it was really hard to to learn Chinese and to actually put your mind towards learning that because it's a lot of memorization. Uh-huh. Um, you know, that I wear glasses. I did not wear glasses when I arrived in China. (laughs) (laughs)
0: goodness! Okay. Wow.
1: Reading for the characters and so on. So it was very intense, but I mean, I think what drove me was the fact that I knew I wanted to get, I wanted a degree and this was the only way I was going to get it. So I had to push through with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so when you graduated, then what was the profession that you entered?
1: Well, um, it was funny. The third year of my program, a friend of mine, she was working in corporate events and she asked me if I'd be interested and I had never really thought about that. But she said, you know, I think really this is somewhere where you would enjoy because I was not too sure about what I wanted to do. And that was my first step into the events industry. And I never looked back. So I started as an intern and I really loved it. And once I graduated, they hired me full time. So I was working there in the events industry with this agency, I really enjoyed. And I've not looked back since I've been at events ever since then.
0: Okay. Okay, cool. And so what's it like working in the Chinese language when, you know, I mean, initially you had struggled with it. I mean, it, clearly you must have gained some serious fluency. So what's that like? That was very interesting. And it's funny, and I'm
1: sure probably a few other people have told you this. Um, this Chinese you study at university, Mm-hmm. And what you use in the working world, it's two different sets of Chinese. Mm-hmm. So I had to like learn a lot of Chinese words because it's like they're very industry specific words mm-hmm. in our industry, in school and so on. So it was quite interesting in that regard. Mm-hmm. But um, everyone's just so happy that you're making an effort and talking to them, um, that they are really um happy and they want to work with you your colleagues help you of course you do have to like do negotiations and so on and you have to talk to vendors you have to explain to them what you need you have to explain to clients who some maybe their English is not um, maybe English is not their first language or their um, language of choice you have to explain to them in Chinese what you're trying to do and so on you have to explain to the design team what you want so yeah it was it was very interesting because I learned a lot of new terms and expressions.
0: Wow. Okay. And so you were very young when you went there. And so, you know, China has definitely changed. I know when I met you and you were telling me like, you know, things are much better for you now because you have WeChat, you know, among many different yeah. things. <laughs> um, exactly. So like, what, what was that like? You know, obviously like before WeChat, before so many of the things that, you know, we have grown accustomed to that, you know, make our lives so much easier now what What was that like?
1: Remember, I came to China in ninety seven. So I think the internet only ninety nine two thousand it's actually like things in China have progressed pretty quickly. And mm-hmm. I would say, um, you, you know, one of the things, like when I first came, how do you keep staying in touch with family? Well, mm-hmm. there's a lot of letter writing. I still have a lot of letters that my mom would have sent me. Yeah. and she still keeps a lot of the letters I would have sent her. I did not go home. Until 2000, yeah. the beginning of 2000. So that was almost three years. Mm-hmm. So I had not seen my family for that long, but I came prepared for that, mm-hmm. that I knew that I would not see them for a while. So for me, that was like not really um, something I was too hung up on because I mm-hmm. figured I'm not going to see them probably for four or five years. So three years was actually great. Mm-hmm. I remember um, things like cheese, for example. There was no, like, like all the variety of cheeses and all these foreign supermarkets, they did not really exist then. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was just, you know, you get by on what you have and you you don't realize that you can live without it until you have to live without it. That's all I yeah. would say.
0: Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. just,
1: yeah, you just make yourself happy with what you have. And this is something I think that served me very well. Mm-hmm. Like living in China those first few years that's helped me adapt it. I think mm-hmm. anywhere. I mean, You're, look at me, I'm sitting in an apartment which is totally empty because my shipment is still not here yet. So
0: okay, okay. And so this was your first time living abroad, correct? Yes, it was. Okay. And so, you know, so when you moved abroad, you moved you relocated by yourself because you were going to university, correct? Yes. Okay. And so, you know, really as as, you know, a very young woman in this, you know, new city, like what was dating like, what was, you know, um, uh, I don't know, like making, making new girlfriends, like what was, what was nightlife? Like, tell me, tell me about the things that like, you know, you enjoyed and you experienced and you had fun and like, tell tell me what, what was that
1: like? So as I mentioned, when I came
0: in, oh God,
1: when was that in 97, mm-hmm. um, the nightlife scene in Beijing was actually loads of fun mm-hmm. there were lots of parties to go to and everything and because we were all students there were these like I remember there were these really old school taxis which were almost like it was like a van mm-hmm. and we would all pack into one of these
0: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: sitting on the floor there were no seats on the floor and we would all go downtown to the (laughs) clubs and so on it was really hilarious when I think about it um I made a lot of friends in university who I'm still friends with today Mm -hmm. um actually one of them he he's like one of the first people I met at university and we always joke because he always said he would never get married and I said the day you get married I'll come wherever it is in the world and make a speech at your wedding so I found myself. 2019 in Namibia in some really tiny town making a speech oh, at his wedding okay. so they're, they're those type of friends that you you make for life who are always there my, my best friend Sophie we're still very very good friends um I met her in 2000 2000 or 99 in the library at university she was yeah. studying um her master's in English and um yeah we met in the book section because I was looking for books on Marxism so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and we we still talk about that, and we're very good friends. Um, I have loads of girlfriends who I've made in those first few years who I'm still friends with. Mm-hmm. In fact, um social media has managed to like make that easier because we do have a WeChat group mm-hmm. where I can keep in contact with all of these friends. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and dating, I actually um when I first came to Beijing, it was, it was kind of dating, I guess you you it, there was dating, but I was not really looking for anything serious that i I thought so. But mm-hmm. then, in the end, I ended up meeting my um, my husband, who's now my ex husband, um, in ni- the end of 1998. Mm-hmm. So that was like barely a year later, and yeah, and I was with him for 20 years. I met him in the end of 98, and we stayed together until 2018.
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. So then, um, I mean, was this person is this person like an expat or a local that you had married?
1: Oh. He um, he was an expat as well, and this was his second stint in China. So he had actually been here, then he left, and then when he came back, I met him. Like because that's like that was our joke. He mm-hmm. said, "Yeah, I had to leave to come back to meet you." And um, <laughs> <Okay. That's
0: laughs> he awesome. was here
1: maybe two months, and I met him, or well, he had just come back, and I met him when he came back.
0: Okay. He and left. He-,
1: he left the year I arrived, so he left like before yeah, in ninety seven, and then he came back that year in ninety eight.
0: Okay, wow. Let's cut to a quick commercial break. Enjoying the podcast? Then support the podcast. Click here to donate in the show notes and keep the cool interviews with guests from around the world going. Check out the blog for handy information about living abroad and buy the ebook, a great guidebook for moving abroad. Find the blog and ebook at the website, arewehomeyetpodcast.com. Again, that's our we home yet podcast.com. You can also donate on the website by scrolling all the way to the bottom and finding the Donate button. All right, back to the show now. So Dion, let me just ask you a few more questions. Um, okay. So tell me, what was the day-to-day like in uh, Beijing, China? I remember like you you told me, you know, it was very fast paced. So so what was that like? Get, give me a sense of like, you know, what was your day-to-day like Monday through Friday? But then, you know, I'm assuming weekends, you know, you weren't working. What, what was that like as well? Okay.
1: So actually my day-to-day I tried to keep that part of my life really consistent. So um, I've always been an early riser, but I think um, during COVID, I needed some structure in my life that was not there before. So I wake up every morning at 5.30. I still do this. And I start my day with meditation. I meditate for 10 minutes. It's normally a guided meditation. It's normally the same meditation every day that I do. Um, sometimes I change it up, but it's mainly the same one, just really to to stay positive and to trust in life and whatever happens is happening for you and then i work out um this i started really pushing myself um in february 2021 um yeah but in beijing i was working as well but i would say not like i'm working out now um in beijing the difference was i was also doing a crossfit so i would go to crossfit at 6 a.m in the morning Mm -hmm. and then when that is finished i have I, i don't have breakfast i would have a coffee and then just plonk around for a bit, read the news, maybe get ready. And I would try to be at work for Mm 9am. And I worked from nine until six most days, Mm -hmm. sometimes longer. Mm -hmm. And if I had calls with the US, I would try to be at home for those calls. Those calls were normally 9 or 10pm. But one of the things I did try to do, and I'm doing it right now, is going to sleep, by 9 30 because I wake up at 5 30. So I really try to get eight hours of sleep for me. That's really important. That's one of my non-negotiables. Um, we talk about, um, dating and so on. So I do tell guys this, if we go out during the week, my non-negotiable is I need to be home by 9 PM to be sleeping by 9 30. So, Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, so that's, um, I have a curfew, sir. (laughs)
0: Exactly. (laughs) I I have a (laughs) bedtime.
1: Exactly. I do have yeah. a bedtime. And um I think that's really important. And it's important to have those things that you want to maintain. The other thing um in Beijing, your social life is really important as well. Mm. So um, I, you spend a lot of time eating out and so on. So I really try to balance that as well. So normally I do intermittent fasting. So I would just really like Enjoy dinner with friends in the evening. Um, try not to drink too much. Now I'm much stricter on that. I do not drink from like from Sunday evenings to Friday. I haven't had a drink yet. It's Friday, four thirty mm-hmm. my time. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a drink. Yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> really ready for one right about now. Okay, but yeah, I try not O'clock. to drink. It. <laughs> exactly. I try not to drink during the week. Yeah. Um, and weekends yeah. I just let myself go. I wake yeah. up when I feel like. I do what I mm-hmm. feel like. I sleep for two hours if I want, for 10 hours. I just mm-hmm. like give myself a break from everything
0: mm-hmm.
1: and just have fun. So yeah. that's my, I would say my day-to-day somewhat, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's the same in Beijing as well. Weekends, I would just go crazy and have my fun. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Okay, so like on the weekends, like like what's like a couple of things which you might enjoy on a weekend?
1: Well, I, I'm not really a hobby person, so mm-hmm. I love eating. So I try new restaurants, I love going to new restaurants, socializing with friends, finding new cocktail bars. Mm -hmm. I love farmer's markets. I love, love farmer's markets. I'm farmer's markets or pop-ups or things like this where you can see what um, artists are doing or what new crafts exist or around or things to taste. This is, Mm -hmm. I'll be there. I Mm -hmm. like things like this. So I'm enjoying San Francisco because of that as well.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a thing there. Yeah. So what was it like meeting other expats? I remember you told me that, you know, uh, because you went to university there, because, you know, you, you worked in the event organizing business, you know, you met lots of different people. And because, you know, obviously you were there so long, like uh, two decades, like you met so many people, you know, so and especially, you know, in Beijing, I remember that there were so many embassies. So I met so many people who were like, you know, diplomats or, you know, connected like with some kind of like government to their country, like met them in a social setting. Um, so what was it like meeting so many different expats? I think one of the things that does, it really adds to your character
1: and it teaches you really to be empathetic, like very empathetic with people. And to understand more about where they're coming from their points of view understand that everyone is unique and different in their own way i think beijing like really helps you to understand this as a person and realize that you know you may not know where this person is from or you may have never heard of their country but um they they have an important place in this world like you as well and i think this is really important to to know and to, to realize as well and really to be Open with people and to share your culture, and to make an effort to understand theirs
0: as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, you know, because it's funny. I remember when when I first came to China, and I was telling a friend, I was like, you know, I don't understand why this person like what did what didn't they understand about like our conversation? <laughs> I don't even remember what the conversation was about, but I do remember the conversation with my friend and like really confused. And they said, well, you're from America and they're from, and I don't remember what country it was now. Yeah, He was like, and they're from this other country. So why would you think you guys are communicating the same? And I was like, what? but we're not yeah. speaking English, like, you know, yeah. that's all, and like
1: silly, I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, and sometimes that's like being, even for me, like being married to someone who was from Western Europe, you mm-hmm. would think, oh, well you have the same thoughts and ideas. Yeah. And there's still like a huge cultural difference between two people, even if they're from a Western country, both speaking English, there's still a lot of miscommunication and things that are not said in the communication process as well yeah. because of yeah. the way you were raised your values lots of things that influence that as well and i think uh, like china even china itself with all its with everyone is chinese but there's so many different minorities and they have their own beliefs and so on so you meet chinese people who also think differently to other chinese people as well so it's i think it's very
0: interesting mm-hmm, mm-hmm yeah and so, you know, you had been there for quite some time. So just continuing on the expat, you know, uh, topic. And and I know you mentioned like you made some really close friends, but during your time there in China, I'm I'm assuming because, you know, just in my short time when I was in Beijing, I had friends leave. So what was that like? You know, you're still consistently there in Beijing, but then you have, you know, you meet a friend and it's like, hey, it's so great being friends and. And then maybe after a while, like say a year for several years, they're like, well, I'm leaving now. Like, what was that like? I'm assuming there were well, several times that happened. Yeah. This happened quite a lot. And actually you come to a point where you're
1: there. Like the first thing you ask someone is how long are you staying. Yeah. because <laughs> yeah. You, <laughs> yeah, You are thinking, do I want to make the effort? Because I think friendship is a lot of work. It's a lot yeah. of effort. Do, and you think, do I want to make the effort to be friends with this person? Yeah. And I have some girlfriends they were in Beijing for not that long Mm -hmm. but I'm really happy I put the effort into making friends with them Mm -hmm. so I mean sometimes you you make that decision because or you decide okay I'm not going to make friends because it's exhausting and these people I've been here so long I have my other friends Mm -hmm. but you have to make new friends and you don't grow I mean Mm -hmm. that's one of the things when you stay in your comfort zone you don't grow you don't um you don't become better so I think it's important that you do make friends and you learn different perspectives from other people as well so what I have right now is a chat group Mm -hmm. um, and we are probably 14 ladies in it Mm -hmm. and some of them have never met each other what they do have in common is me so Mm -hmm. what I've done (laughs) I was in three different chat groups and I just thought you know what Mm-hmm. I'm putting you all, all into one chat group because I cannot mm-hmm. chat with three different groups. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it's actually been, you know, we share a lot with each other. The only mm-hmm. thing now we have in common besides me is Beijing, mm-hmm. but it's still nice
0: to have that connection. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, being being now in in now a new country, so it sounds like you can continue those friendships. Um then like okay so then now let's move on to like when you were in uh when you when you were in China and you know I remember that you had said that um you know you went home after three years and um you know but then you know obviously you came back and then you continued living in China what was that like missing family and friends um back home like how how did you how did you deal with that like what you know what what methods of communication did you use like how how did that feel like how did you work through that um yeah
1: well I left I left Barbados went in 97 so that was like I mentioned to you earlier before the internet Mm -hmm. so there were pay phones we were using sometimes you would have like be able to make a phone call And we would always buy phone cards and, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, you cannot talk longer. It was like a phone call, maybe a 10 minute phone call every week, once a week. Mm -hmm. The rest of the time you write letters. Mm -hmm. Um, Then when WhatsApp and the Internet became, you know, popular, it's like easier to call and so on. But yeah, of course, you miss different milestones in your family's life and so on. And you have to like make a bigger effort to stay connected because it's very easy to like drift apart and I think it's the same with friends I have very few friends I would say in Barbados because you no longer you realize this when you live somewhere like Beijing Mm -hmm. you don't have that much in common with some of the people who you were friends with because their Mm -hmm. perspective on the world and the way they look at the world is so different to the way you look at it because living in a foreign country really does give you an, as an expat, it gives you such an international outlook on life
0: mm-hmm. and on
1: views and on thoughts. You don't become one-sided or like put into this um, bracket anymore. You really just look at the world in a much bigger light.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, because, you know, I, I'm sure that I mentioned before, when when I moved abroad, it was like, wow, I thought I was informed and aware, you know, when I was living in America and watched the news and knew what was going on in the whole wide world. And it wasn't until I moved abroad that I was like, wait a minute, I am really clueless about lots of different (laughs) things, lots of different cultures and countries and, you know, and foods. Oh my God. And I was just like, wow, if I hadn't moved abroad, I'm just like, wow, I would have just, continue to really like been so like i i wouldn't have been clued in about so much and and i'm and i'm constantly shocked about that honestly constantly yeah 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 yeah. okay so that's very interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. So then tell me, so, you know, when, when you, when you initially were a student, so tell me, what was the visa process like? I mean, if you, if you remember that, and then, you know, then when you transition to now being, you know, an employed person in China, did that visa process change? You know, was it was it better was it smoother you know the the longer that you stayed like I mean if you remember you know how exactly that worked and then obviously the visa process when you went to America like how how different was that from from China okay so um when I
1: first moved to China I had to get a student visa Mm -hmm. and student visas then you go to the embassy you apply for it but your student visa you it's only one entry they don't give you multiple entry student visas and they do not let you leave during the term so you can only get an exit visa at yeah. the end of the term if you're going traveling mm-hmm. so that was the the rule this is to stop students from going in and out during the term so that was how our student visas worked. um for my student visa when I graduated I there was a thing called consultant visas so I had one of those at the time it was like for freelancers and so on. It was not really a work visa. It was just like a visa everyone got to hang around, but I don't think they have those anymore. And then that visa, when they were changing that, I was married by then. So then I was on my ex-husband's visa. So mm-hmm. that was a different visa I was on, a spouse visa. Yeah. And then when I started um, working with this other company, um, the company I'm working with now, I got a work visa this is like, you know, a proper work visa. And for that, I actually had to fly back to Barbados to do this visa the correct way. Mm -hmm. So that was quite interesting. Um, Coming to the US, my company, they applied for, um, it's an executive type visa. So they... um, basically i had I went to Barbados to do this, and because of Covid and everything, it took a bit longer than it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. but um the process was very smooth, and it was not it the company sponsored it, so it was much easier
0: mm-hmm. yeah so yeah okay yeah. okay and okay, and then you know something that I forgot to ask you about, but I'm sure like there must have been a, a difference, like the quality of life because now, you know. I, now you live in, you know, cause I remember America wasn't too long ago and yeah. very expensive in America. Um, So, you know, from me, you know, living in China, I see like, there's a big difference in quality of life that like, you know, I'm, I'm more privy to tell me what, what's the quality of life like that you had, you know, based, you know, obviously on the salary you were making in China compared to like, you know, I don't know, like if you worked when, when you were, you know, originally home, like when you were a teenager, but like, did you notice there was a quality of life there in terms of like the money that, you know, you had access to spending and then also, you know, in America as well, what's that like?
1: Okay. Well, when I left Barbados, I had worked for a year, so I was working for a year But I was living with my parents, so I didn't have any bills or anything. I gave them some money, like you do in our culture. But, I mean, I had money to spend on stuff and so on. But I was not really seriously, like, paying bills or anything. So it was a very different lifestyle. And then moving to China, I remember realizing at one point in time, oh, my God, the money I get from my scholarship is not going to be enough. So I was supplementing that with, like... Mm -hmm. um, Teaching English on the side, which is not really allowed, but everyone was doing it at the time, mm-hmm. and that helped a lot to like really allow me to have a social life and so on. Then when I started working in China mm. after graduating, because the cost of living was so low in China, that's changed a lot as well. But it's still quite reasonable, I think, the cost of living in China. Mm. But yeah, you can do so many things because you're living in a country where the cost of living is low. So that was really great. Um, I find like living here in San Francisco of course it's more expensive than China as well mm. but i mean um it's it's a, i knew this coming in so that is to be expected mm. and you just have to budget a bit more i think you have to really budget um a lot more and i mean yeah that's that's i think one of the biggest takeaways at least for me um like really trying to be more responsible with your money
0: yeah 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 okay yeah. What's your definition of home?
1: Mm, That's interesting. For me, home is like, I know a lot of people would probably say it's where your stuff is or where this is or that. For me, home is where I feel comfortable and home can be a a number of places. I mean, I could be in a hotel and be perfectly at home, to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. For me, Mm -hmm. what makes me feel comfortable in my space and my skin is my music. Mm I still listen to Caribbean music. I work out to it. Mm-hmm. I put it on just to keep me grounded, to keep me, you know, feeling at home. This I think I was thinking about that question. And I would say it's really um having my music. I have my um, don't laugh, my my stuffed toy, mm-hmm. which I've had since I was, oh my gosh, I think I've had him since I was one year old or something. He's yeah. traveled everywhere with me, is yeah. this horrible looking blue bear. <laughs> For me, when I see him, I'm like, okay, I'm at home because he's here. So this is like something really small, but it's like just something that I take with me that makes me that makes my bed feel like you know I, I'm I'm at home.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> then so that so then I'll ask. You know, you were in China for so many years. You had a really long relationship. You had a substantial career there. So so did. Did, did all of that contribute to you feeling at home in China or, or still was there ever something lacking? All of that really, I mean, China
1: is not easy to leave. I'm going to, it was not easy to leave because I remember I, I left um, for a year in, that was 20, 2004 to 2005, and five six. I went to Paris to do my master's. Mm-hmm. I would not say that was an expat because I was when there as a student, but it was just very interesting to, you know, to feel homesick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I actually miss China a lot living in Paris because it was just so different. Um, but I mean, I eventually settled into living in Paris. I mean, Paris is an easy place to feel comfortable with as well, but yeah, living in China for that long, there's so many things you're just accustomed to the pace of life. And like you said, with career relationship, but you know what, there's always, um, if you do not step out of your comfort zone, you don't grow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I knew that I needed to the first change I made um, unconsciously, I think, was reevaluating my marriage and deciding whether I want to be married or not. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, of course, a really hurtful thing. And you know, I still feel guilty about some of it as well. But um, I do think, you know, sometimes the, the those hard decisions, or you know, when these those hard evaluations they help you grow another step Mm -hmm. as well. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I completely agree. I mean, you know, even though it, you know, I feel like I've settled into a routine in Shanghai, but I definitely feel like I'm not growing and I feel like Shanghai is like one of the best cities I could could possibly live in, you know, like, you know, the, the people that I would meet, the, the events that I could go to, the, types of food that I could try, you yeah. know? Um, But yeah, I definitely feel like I'm not growing. So, you know, I am making the decision to like, you know, move to a different country soon. So I completely understand that. Were there certain, you know, similarities you felt from, you know, where you're originally from and being Beijing did that, that helped, you know, kind of make the transition easier, make the adjustment better. Like, you know, one person told me, oh, well, you know, they were able to find certain things that like, you know, in terms of food, but, you know, as you had pointed out, you know, you arrived there years and years and years ago. So was there anything that helped you make the adjustment? When you did arrive back
1: then before social media, what was really important was your network of friends. That's this really so important because those are people, your your friends, your chosen family, especially when you move to a city. Like I said, we're everything is so unfamiliar. There's nothing in Barbados that is similar to what's Beijing. I mean, Mm -hmm. I would say in terms of people, like the way they welcome you into your home, Chinese people can be very hospitable and I do really think that that helped as well they were actually really nice of course you need to get past a few hurdles but mm-hmm. once you get past that Chinese people are very nice they're very accommodating um a lot of the Westerners here we found ourselves in the same position so you tend to be closer to each other mm-hmm. and as I said there was no social media so you, you really have to depend on each other and that's what really helped me feel comfortable and welcome and in, welcomed in aging i would say
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay and so now now you're in a new place and you know you're you're an expat again now you've only been there for a few months but how does this place feel like does it feel like it could be forever home or are you still you know figuring it out and you know what what's it like living in your new city
1: well um it's it, it's interesting it's really interesting and i'm kind i I think I'm very lucky in that I had a transition period between Beijing and coming to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I was in Barbados for 10 months.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What Barbados did, and I did not realize it at the time, but it 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 kind of brought me back down to being mellow because I didn't realize I was very highly strung, very supercharged living in China. Mm-hmm. So what it that time in Barbados, what it did, it really totally brought me back down to zero. And I mellowed out and moving to San Francisco after living in Barbados for 10 months, it made made me realize what a great city San Francisco is, how beautiful it is. And I really accept the pace of life here, because I think like going from China straight to San Francisco, I would have had some regrets, especially in terms of like the pace of life. Because in China, everything is so much faster paced than anywhere else in the world. So in San Francisco, things are pretty easy. It's chilled. It also has its own pace, but it's diff- very different to Beijing and comp- certainly very different to Barbados as well. So I think moving here from Barbados, I appreciate the city a lot more. And I am taking my time and falling in love with it and discovering it and finding new restaurants and some of the hidden gems and making friends as well. I mean, I was telling someone, of course, I, I struggle a bit because... As you mentioned quite rightly, in China, I was, I had my own network of friends, my social mm-hmm. circle. Mm-hmm. You, I knew where everything is. I knew who everyone was. Everyone knew you. So you are starting a game from scratch here. So it's, it's interesting having to build up that social network again from zero. Actually, I would say from minus five, it's not even zero
0: yeah. because you have
1: no base. So you have to build up that base again. And um, I I'm here as a single woman at a different age to when I went to China. So there's also dating as well, mm-hmm. which is it's not easy because um I think a lot of people, they don't realize that I'm also having some culture shock. I've never lived in the u s before.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: for me, I find that quite interesting as well having this culture shock, but i'm I'm getting used to it. And um I realize that I'm still very different, very unique, being here, even if um, it is a Western city and I am from a Western country as well. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. Okay. What would you say are the struggles and joys in being an expat? Because you've been an expat now in two different places. Um, So, so what, what would you say to our listeners that, you know, maybe are considering, you know, venturing out to a new country?
1: I I would say one of the first, Struggles is you have to understand that you. I mean, like now it's probably a lot easier. Well, with COVID, who knows? But you might not be there for important family events, Mm
0: -hmm. you might
1: miss out on some of this. I mean, one of my biggest fears when I moved to China was you know, the phone ringing in the middle of the night and it's bad news. Mm -hmm. Even now, if my phone rings at a certain time, like if it's nighttime for me and it rings in the middle of the night, I'm like, oh my god, Mm
0: -hmm. what's happened? Mm-hmm.
1: And this was my biggest fear. And actually, um, I did get this phone call. My my um, brother called me to tell me my dad had passed away. Mm-hmm. And it was a call I I didn't think I would be ready for. I didn't know how I was going to react. And it happened. I did what I could, booked a ticket like the next day, got there maybe two days later. Mm-hmm. And you realize that, okay, that's the worst thing that you think could happen. And you survive that. Mm-hmm. You can survive everything else so yeah they, I mean that's something you do have to you struggle with missing lots of important family occasions and so on and you have to realize and this is something my dad told me before he died when i the last time I saw him he said you know you have to go out and make your own life you cannot let um your dependency on family hold you back
0: mm-hmm. yeah so I
1: thought that was really good and important advice as well because family they they know that if they they know we We love them. But, you know, at the same time, if you you have to make your own life and you have to realize your own dreams, because otherwise it's just selfish any other way, I think Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: you're holding back yourself from an opportunity. And the joy of being an expat, I think it's like one of the things is sharing your culture, Mm -hmm. telling people about where you're from and them experience it as well or to be able to take your newfound friends back to your country and show them where you grew up, show them your country, your culture. This is something I find really exciting. I've had so many people who visit Barbados, some with me, some without me who have come to love it as much as me, because I feel as though, well, I always have to be a de facto ambassador for my country, for my culture. <laughs> okay. And this, this, I love, I, I love this part of being an expat actually.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so so you relocated to America because of your career, correct? Yes. Okay. So so then I guess I guess I also do wonder, you know, if if you know the company said, Hey, look, you know, we really need you back in China, then would you make the decision to go back? Or, you know, would you say, well, you know, the this this is this is where where I need to be to you know that that that. I don't know if you'd have that flexibility but you know like for me now
1: I have no commitments to to anywhere I would say and yeah I would go back if they asked me if I wanted to move to China to India to Africa I would say sure.
0: Mhm okay yeah oh wow okay all right well this has been so wonderful speaking to you we haven't spoken in so long since i you know
1: asked. i know yeah it's been crazy i've been busy yeah here there and everywhere exploring my surroundings yeah,
0: and every time so. i see every time i see you post something and i'm always like hey i miss america i really do <laughs> yeah well, that's,
1: it's funny that's what a lot of people have been telling me That is really fun. I mean, like people complain about social media, but I say, yeah, I'm probably on social media a bit too much, but you know what, for me, it's like really a a window to show people what I'm doing because a lot of people ask me, Hey, how are you? What's up? And they're like, Hey, check out my social media. You'll know. And a lot of people who are here, even like residents in the city, they're like, I love looking at your Instagram because you show us the city through your new eyes yeah. And it's a really fun thing as well. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 I agree. I agree. Okay, well, we're going to leave it there for today, folks. And I want to say, you know, thank you to all my listeners for tuning in to the Are We Home Yet podcast. Podcast for current expats to talk about what it's like living abroad and for future expats to hopefully be encouraged, inspired, um, informed about living abroad. And so, with that, everyone have a great day. Talk to you later, Dion. Thank you. My next interview is with Dennis, who went from being an engineer in America to eventually being a journalist based in Japan, writing for the Science magazine. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to hit subscribe. And to stay updated, head over to arewehomeyetpodcast.com. I'm Jalila Clark. See you next time.